0: Action Jackson, says producer one. She must have been watching the Ravens game where Action Lamar Jackson led the Ravens to a 37-3 win over the Seahawks. Really, there's more Gus Edwards in the defense, but Action Jackson we are. Welcome back to the Road to Paris, everyone. First Road to Paris, a little R2P since the World Championships. Now, this is going to cover both events, both in Goa, India, and Haiku, China, and I know that it is November right now, but I'm going to start this episode sort of rewinding back to last December. So last December, Triborn sent shockwaves through the American beach volleyball community when he announced that he was partnering with Came Shock, dumping Trevor Crabb. A couple days later, after a lot of people we well, what's Trevor going to do? What's Theo going to do? Are Andy Benish and Miles Pertain? Are they going to stay together? What are the Taylors going to do? Theo and Trevor announced that they were playing together. A short while later, Chase Buttinger and Miles Evans announced that they were playing together. The Taylors were sticking together. Benish and Partain, after three very good events in the fall in Dubai, Dubai, and the Maldives, they were sticking together. And so the scene was set. Every single top team on the American side was switching except for Taylor Crabb and Taylor Sander. And so that led to a lot of different emotions. There was apprehension, there was excitement. Were we going to be better than we were in 2022? Because frankly, on the men's side, we couldn't have gone much worse. We only won three medals the entire season. All three of those came at the very end. One of those was Chase Buttinger and Troy Field. That was a silver in the Maldives, and then they broke up. The other two, the other one was Andy Benish and Miles Partain. They won gold in Dubai, and then there was Paul Lottman and Taylor Crabb, a team that wasn't really a team. They won a silver in Dubai. And so it was just this big mix-up of, well, did Try make the right decision? Did Theo make the right decision? Who was going to be at the top? And for a while, we were wondering, did everyone just make the wrong choice? Now, Theo Bruner, when I talked to him that December, he said, you know, there was really no choice. With the way that we were performing overseas, all the teams had to break up. The only one who had a legitimate argument to stay together was Theo and Kame, because they were the only one who had a finish better than fifth in a major tournament until those fall series. They took a fourth at the World Championships, but other than that, it's easy to forget how below average, below expectations, Try and Trevor had played. They didn't finish better than ninth one time in 2022. Their average finish was, I believe, a 12th with a best of ninth. okay? Then Theo Bruner and Came Schalk, their average finish was a seven seven 7.5. Their best finish was 4th. We only won three medals. And now, at the beginning of the season, before anyone hit the road, I'll just bring this up over and over and over again. Triborn said on his Born to Beach vlog, he said, the U.S. is going to be better this season. I guarantee it. And for a long time... As Try and Kane were struggling, as Trev and Theo were struggling. The only team to medal for the first half of this season was Chase and Miles, and they took a silver at the Soccer Challenge. And then, of course, Andy Benish and Miles Partain went ballistic with a bronze in Ostrava, a, a gold in Stad, and a silver in Montreal. But for a while, it looked like everyone sort of made the wrong choice. The Taylors were struggling and still haven't really been on the world tour much. And now we come to China. Where, for just the second time since 1997, and I'll use 1997 as my marker for almost all, like when I say in history, I use '97 because that's the first world championships. Prior to that, it was mostly just Brazil and the US for the most part. So, since 1997, only twice have there been three US men's teams in a semifinal. The other was the 2011 Quebec Open, where Phil Dahlhauser and Nick Lucent, or Phil Phil Dahlhauser and Todd Rogers, won gold. Nick Lucena and Matt Furbringer won silver. And Jake Gibb and Sean Rosenthal won bronze. Fast forward to 2023. And of all teams to do it, it's Chase Buttinger and Miles Evans. They win their first gold medal of the season. It's the first major tournament that Miles has ever won. Now he's won golds in futures. He has performed well at two stars. He finally wins a gold medal. Chase Buttinger, that's his second sort of major medal and by major I mean four star and above challenge in Elite 16s. He wins a gold medal, second major medal of his career. Theo Bruner and Trevor Crabb, they win their second medal of the season. That's their third semifinal. And then you had Triborne and Came Shock. They had their best finish of the season. They finished fourth, ended up losing to Miles and Chase in the semifinals, ended up losing to Australians Zach Schubert and Thomas Hodges for the bronze medal match. So we had three U.S. teams in the semifinals, two U.S. medals. That's just the Eighth time in history, I believe, since, again, 1997, that we have had two men's teams in a final. That's impressive, especially when you consider that we've had Phil Dahlhauser, Sean Rosenthal. Sean Scott, Matt Furbringer, Nick Lucena. We've had a lot of phenomenal players, just the eighth time that has ever happened. And, of course, Theo texts me as this is going on. He goes, I can't wait for you to hype up the U.S. men for having this great finish in China. Now we have four U.S. men's teams in the top 24. And Theo was saying that sarcastically because... It was a light tournament as these tournaments go in the fall. And then I had a a coach, uh, Corey Glaif, great coach, uh, really good dude. And he said, so we're giving out participation trophies now on the world tour. And at this point, your participation trophy, quote unquote, is earned by automatically losing money by going to China. So all U.S. men's teams are out of their stipends. Every U.S. team, you get a max of 10 stipends per year after that. It is a, as Theo calls it, a pay-to-play scenario. So the only way that Theo and Trevor were going to break even was by winning the tournament. They didn't win the tournament, ended up losing money. So all they had to do to earn that participation trophy was travel all the way across the world, 24-plus-hour travel day, lose money, play six matches, win five of them, and that's your participation trophy. So it doesn't really matter. A silver medal in China in a weak field is worth the same as a silver medal in Brazil. It's worth the same as a silver medal in Mexico. It's worth the same as a silver medal in Europe. And so now we have four U.S. teams in the top 24 of the Olympic rankings for the first time of the entire season. Andy Benish and Miles Partain are number 10. Theo Bruner and Trevor Crabb are number 14. Tryborn and Came Shock are number 16 and Chase Buttinger and Miles Evans are number 22. All right, so that is that's a lot of men's teams in the top 24. And now we've had we have won seven medals this year versus three medals from a year ago. Try and Came who now last week we had Try on the hot seat for our podcast saying, "Do you regret your decision to play with Came Shock?" And Try and Trevor had zero finishes better than ninth place in 2022. Him and Kane now have six finishes better than that. Their average is a 13th this year, so they're they're extremely volatile. But when you remove a 37th at the World Championships, when you take what's sort of an outlier, their average finish would actually be better than the average finish of him and Trevor from 2022. So when you look at Try, and in his mind, the process by which he made the decision was correct. And also when you look at it sort of empirically that he's having higher finishes on a more regular basis it's also sort of a correct decision now I think he thought that he was going to pro- perform better with Kame I think he thought he'd have a medal or two or three by this point meanwhile it's only Andy and Miles Chase and Miles and Theo and Trevor who have medals and they all have multiple medals at this point point. and they didn't perform that great on the AVP but as far as the Olympic discussion goes you remove the AVP finishes and try and Kame are actually statistically speaking a better team than him and Trevor were in 2022, which is super interesting. Trevor and Theo are a better team than Theo and Cam were. Chase and Miles are a better team than Chase and Troy were, and then you have Andy and Miles, who are the best team of all. So at the end of the day, all of these partner switches, there's a lot of questions about it. Now that we have almost a full year of data, and we do have about 11 months of data on it, it seems it, it, we are in a better spot at the end of 2023 than we were at the end of 2022. Now, is that... Could these partner switches have been better? Are there a couple potential partners that maybe were left out on the table? Probably. Or do we have all the right partners in the right spots? Maybe not. Maybe so. It's impossible to say, but what it is right to say is that the U.S. men are better this year than we were last year, and as Triborn guaranteed it, it has come true. Now, on to storyline number two for the men, the Aussies. My boy Zach Schubert and Thomas Hodges. They hit, I mean, it is full pedal to the metal every single time. They just, they jump high, they hit hard, they rip serves. They don't care. They once missed 11 serves in the first set against Sweden in the world championships, and they just kept bombing and kept bombing and kept bombing. And in China, it worked out well for them. Their only loss in China was a three-setter to Trev and Theo. That was in the semifinals, and then they beat Try and came for bronze. And so now they are number 12 in the Olympic rankings. I'm not going to Sharpie them yet. They have 6,680 points. Again, I think that the cut line to qualify for the Olympic Games is going to be 7,000. So they're going to have to tack on some more medals, some more high finishes moving forward. But... I do think that they have put themselves in an excellent position to qualify. I do think that we will be seeing them in Paris 2024, and they're only going to get better. Now, if you missed the episode that I did after they won gold in Yermala, you can click on the link above on that little card. If you're listening uh, on audio, just go back and try to find the Yermala. I said Aussie, 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 gold, gold, gold. That was the headline. That was where I sort of introduced them to and had Damien Schumann, an Australian Olympian. He gave you a little two-minute background on Hodges and Schubert. So if you missed that, go back and rewatch that because they are here to stay. You're going to be seeing a lot more of them. Super fun style to watch, super fun dudes, and they also just, you know, they have the best accents in the world, and you can't beat that. Storyline number three. Uh, I'm putting together my all-weird team. So the teams at the top, you know, the Anders Moll, the Christian Sorums, the Swedens, the Czechs. All those guys, we know who they are. And to quote Dennis Green, we are, they are who we thought they were. They are elite. And now we have so many teams that are becoming just so weird. You don't know what you're going to get on any given day. And leading the all-weird team and the past two weeks in Goa and China are evidence enough. You have Austrians, Robin Seidel, and Moritz Pristals. I do still hold out hope that they're going to qualify because they win gold in Goa coming out of the qualifier. They were down 9-14 in the third set of the finals. Two Spains, Adrian Guevara and Pablo Herrera, somehow come all the way back, split blocking with Pristals at the net, win a gold medal. Two weeks later, they lose in the qualifier to the Huerta brothers from Spain. And so they just make no sense. So they're leading by all-weird team. And then number two on the all-weird team is Guevara and Herrera, who win a silver medal. They're currently number seven in the Olympic rankings. And then in China, they lose in three to Thailand, lose the first set 21-13. Now, this Thai team is, is very good, but they're not Spain and then they almost get knocked out of the tournament, losing a, another one to Lithuania. They had again to win in three. Again, they lost the first set. Then they have to win a lucky loser match. And then they take Theo and Trevor to three after losing the first set 21-10. to 10. And they end up losing that 15-13. So Herrera, Guevara, and Pristals and Seidel, the past two tournaments alone show that these challenge levels, they are insane. They're, there's just no consistency anywhere. You could be the top team, you could be seeded Q12, and you could come out and win the tournament. The Australians that I was talking about earlier, their gold medal in Yarmala, they won it out of the qualifier. Portugal's Joao Pedrosa and Hugo Campos, they won the Edmonton Challenge Out of the qualifier. Almost lost to Florian Breer and Marco Kradiger in that qualifier and ended up winning gold in the whole tournament. So these challenge tournaments, they are fascinating to watch. We have two more left in the season. We have one in the Philippines and one in Thailand. More on that in a bit. And then there's one Elite 16 left in Brazil. So these challenges are so fun to watch because you, you just don't know who's in there. Also, number three on my all weird team would be Chase Budinger and Miles Evans, who have a silver medal and a gold medal to their names this season. And yet they're still ranked behind Try and Came, who have zero medals, both in gross points and points per event. And so you, the highs are high and the lows are low for the all-weird team. Try and Came are sort of in that all-weird team as well, but they still are consistently getting top fives. Half of their finishes are top five. They just can't break through and win that medal. Uh, now that'll be all the storylines from the men. So we're going to have our Yaka water break. We've got some really fun news for y'all, and that is that Sandcast and Volleyball TV or VBTV, whatever you want to call it, we are now partnered up. So the Road to Paris series that I record after every Olympic qualifying event or every other, that's now going to start featuring video highlights. Instead of just the still pictures, we're going to have actual video highlights, so it's going to be more like an actual volleyball highlight show. So instead of just still pictures, you're actually going to get to see what's going on on the field of action, and in return... We're going to start promoting Volleyball TV, and you get 20% off your Volleyball TV subscription when you use the code SANDCAST20. Now, this is case-sensitive. So, SANDCAST is all caps 20, and that's the numeral 20. So, it's SANDCAST, all caps 20, and you will get 20% off your VBTV subscription. Now, a lot of you guys who are listening to the show, your beach volleyball super fans, And I absolutely love that. I love you. I love you for listening. I love you for subscribing to VBTV and watching. So if you already have your subscription, when it comes time to renew, you can use that code or you, you could honestly cancel and then renew with your 20% off if you wanted to. So again, Sandcast20, all caps, at Volleyball TV. that'll get you 20% off. So I'm stoked to be partnering with VBTV. It's just been such a sweet thing to have for the sport, to have like all the volleyball you could watch in one spot, or at least all the international volleyball you could watch in one spot. That's indoor, it's Italian league, it's even the big 10 indoor. You get all of that 20% off with our code. So go and watch your beach volleyball today at Volleyball TV. Are you guys ready for the absolute best advertising copy of any podcast you'll ever hear? Here we go, because fresh ball fall is upon us, and you need to be in the festive spirit. So light a candle, get some pumpkin spice, and make sure your balls look nice with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. Now, nature may clear the leaves of their trees, but you'll need Manscaped's help to get you ready for that sweater weather. So get your pants puppies prepared for cuffing season with a trim as refreshing as a fall breeze by going to manscaped.com and using code SANDCAST for 20% off plus free shipping. Now, listen, it's a high-risk affair when you're doing some trimming, All right, when you're going below the waist. And you know what? You just need Manscaped. It's going to help you with your confidence. Trust me, it's going to help. Now, it's time for nice flannels and cozy socks, but we can't forget to trim our balls. By now, you've heard of them. But it's time to join the 9 million, that's right, 9 million men worldwide using Manscaped and get the kit that covers it all, the Performance Package 4.0. It starts with a Lawn Mower 4.0 trimmer with advanced skin-safe technology, thank goodness, that reduces nicks and cuts to make raking the leaves a lot less painful. Plus, the lawnmower is a technical masterpiece. It has a 7,000 RPM motor, a multifunction on-off switch that can engage a travel lock, and a built-in 4,000K LED spotlight to help you see parts of your body you haven't looked at in years. And once you've cleared the driveway, the Performance Package comes in hot with products to cool you down, the Crop Preserver, ball deodorant, and Crop Reviver, ball spray toner, one to prevent stink and one to clear it up. With a soothing aloe vera formula, move over pumpkin spice, fresh balls are the smell of the season. The Performance Package 4.0 caps it off with two free gifts. That's right, you get two free gifts. The Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. That's one to hold your Manscaped goodies and one to hold your man goodies. So bring in the fall right and get 20% off and free shipping with the code SANDCAST at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with the free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code SANDCAST. As the leaves fall, make sure you have it all with Manscaped. Now, on to the women. Uh, Barbara and Carol of Brazil. I've sharpied them before. They are just like extra sharpie. They won their third gold medal of the season, fourth if you count their win at the South American Continental Championships. They had the opportunity to really just just kick it in, just cement it in place. Uh, when they played Tina Silva and Victoria Lopez in the first round of World Championships, ended up losing that one in the first round. So they missed out on a big chance for points at the World Champs. Tina Silva and Victoria Lopez ended up getting fifth. And then I was like, maybe sharp beat Barbara Carroll a little bit too early. And then they played them in the semifinals. Barbara and Carroll handled business, 21-17, 21-17, and then just spanked China for gold, 21-14, 21-9. And Barbara and Carol are now sharpie, sharpie, number three in the Olympic ranks behind Duda and Anna Patricia and Kristen and Taryn. And then fourth is Kelly Chang and Sarah Hughes. As for Tina and Victoria, so they win a bronze medal. They've just been queens of getting to the semifinals. They've had a ton of podiums this year, extending tournaments. Now, that bronze only bumped up their points by 40. So at this point, challenges are almost useless as far as the Olympic race is concerned for Tina and Victoria because they can only gain so many points. They've hit their 12 finishes. Once you hit your 12 finishes, you can only replace... Your worst finish after that. So say they lose in the qualifier, or say they even win a gold. There's of a challenge. They're really only going to go up by a max of 100 points. So now China and Victoria, they're going to have to up the risk and start playing in a lot of elite 16s. Now they got wild carded into the Brazil elite 16 in November. That's November 22nd through 26th in Joao Pedro. Or I'll have to look. Joao Pessoa. Joao Pessoa. Yeah not Joao Pedrosa. That's a Portuguese player. They're not playing in Joao (laughs) Pedrosa. They are wild-carded into into that main draw, so they will need to start getting on the podiums of Elite 16s on a regular basis if they want to stay in the Olympic race. By my count, Brazil race is over. Ann Patricia Duda, Sharpie, Barbara Carroll, Sharpie. Uh, Storyline number two for the women, Molly McBain and Sarah Pavin. Just such a delightful little storyline to watch. Molly McBain, a uh, stud player at Florida State was phenomenal, is the quiet assassin. Just as quiet as they come, you're not going to get more than 10 words out of her. She just goes about her business. She took a year off, got her graduate degree, and then Sarah Pavin, when her and Sophie Bukovic split, Pavin calls her up and says, hey, you want to play some defense behind me? And McBain's like, uh, sure, I can start playing some beach volleyball again. Was second in digs per match at the World Championships, and now they are just cruising. They took a fifth in haiku. That is their third finish, 600 points and above, in their last four tournaments. They're trending in the right direction. They took down Anouk Verger, Dupre, and Joanna Mater, 21-19, 21-16, in the ninth-place rounds. They just beat a European championship team. They beat an Olympic bronze medalist team. And McBain's only been playing volleyball for like nine months since taking a full year off, playing behind Sarah Pavin, who's got plenty of gas left in the tank. So that's a team that's trending in the right direction. Right now, they're number 31 in the Olympic ranks. They're averaging 452.5 points per event and trending in the right direction. As for another Canadian team... Bukovic, who began this race with Sarah Pavin, has picked up the legendary Heather Bansley, a three-time Defender Defensive Player of the Year on the FIVB, and they looked fantastic. Their only two losses in Haiku were to Barbara and Carol. Two of those sets went 23-21, so they played very well. Heather's averaging 12.25 digs per match, so she hasn't really lost much of a step Now, they don't have a ton of time. We haven't seen the schedule yet for 2024, but they're going to have to play very well and very consistently throughout the 2024 season. Now, currently, they are number seven in the qualifier for that Brazilian Elite 16 event. So if they get into the main draw, this Canadian women's race is about to get very, very interesting, about as interesting as the Swiss women's race, which is a a horse race really between Esme Bobner and Zoe Verger Dupre who took ninth in Haiku and Anouk Verger Dupre and Joanna Mater, who won gold in Goa. That was their first medal in 17 events. A huge congrats to them. So that Swiss women's race continues to be interesting. The Verger Dupre sisters, they both took ninth in Haiku. So no real ground seated or gained in that one, but that the Canadian women and the Swiss women are the two races I'm finding the most fascinating at this point for the last storyline for the women. My all dark horse team, the Lithuanian women, Monica Polakine and Ayn Raw Polite, six foot six. Kristen Nuss and Taryn Cloth played them at the World Championships. And I asked Nuss what it was like because Nuss is giving up a full height of advantage to Raw Polite. And she goes, That girl is big. Yes, indeed she is. And she is legit. And behind her, Monica Polakine is this feisty, fiery defender. And I love the way that they play. They're, if you haven't seen them play, they're really very good. Usually when you see Lithuania, when you see that flag, you're like, what country is that? It's probably it should be a gimme. No, not with these two. They're a tremendous defensive team who have wins the season over Lillian Paula of Spain, beat them three times. Bar Hermanova and Marisa aristot of the Czech Republic, beat them three times. Beat Kaya Stam and Rice Skoon at the European Championships. Went to three with Savendi Mueller and Cindy Tillman at the European Championships. And beat Shin Shan Chen Shu, and Sakarima where they finished fourth. And beat Victoria Lopez and Tina Silva, who are number seven in the Olympic rank. So their ceiling is super high, but in the wet, in sort of the windy conditions that we had in, in China, the ball control of raw polite sort of betrays them a bit, but when it is still, they are dangerous. So between them and Finland's Teru Lati and Nina Atienin, they're my all dark horse team where they're just a landmine where you look at them, you're like Finland, Lithuania, ah, probably not that great wrong. They're fantastic, and I j- I really enjoy watching them play, and if you haven't, I highly recommend it. Now, on to everyone's favorite section, the struggle bus. So this is not a player coming on the struggle bus today. This is the uh, the second round of pool play for the challenges. So a lot of you might have noticed that Half of the second round of the winner's bracket of pool play at the challenge in Haiku were forfeited. Poland forfeited. Marco Crager, Florian Breer forfeited. Adrian Hydrich, Leo Dillier forfeited. Uh, Chase Bunger, Miles Evans won by forfeit. And Theo Bruner and Trevor Crabb won by forfeit. And, you know, I, I, Theo talked about this a lot on his social media, so I'm not sort of ratting him out or anything, where him, he played rock, paper, scissors in that second round. Now, if you're wondering, why are teams forfeiting? So that second round of pool play, the match is only for seeding. So if you win, you start in the ninth place rounds of playoffs. If you lose, you also start in the ninth place rounds of playoffs. So teams at this point, we're now 10 months into season, And they're looking at it thinking, I don't really need another match on my legs. It's 88 degrees with 75% humidity. I'm just going to take this one off. We'll play rock, paper, scissors, or we'll just forfeit. You know, I got this sprained ankle. I got tendinitis in my knee. I got stomach problems from Mexico or from China, whatever it may be. All very legitimate reasons to forfeit when there's no incentive. So teams are just saying the rest is more important than the actual match itself. And so in this situation, everyone sort of loses. Right. So the the players who either just forfeit and aren't playing another match, they kind of lose because there's no and even if they are playing, there's no incentive for them to play. And then the fans who showed up or are watching on TV, they sort of lose because if you stayed up to watch Trev and Theo or if you stayed up to watch Chase and Miles or if you stayed up to watch Try and Came in India when they forfeited their second round. Well, now you just stayed up till midnight or one in the morning for no good reason. And then the, you know, the volleyball TV loses and the promoters lose because fans are there. And you're like, well, there's nothing happening. And so it's just a, a funky format issue. And nothing can change until the Paris Olympics are over. I'd expect some sort of system wide change to happen in 2025 because this is now there have been 10 forfeits in the second round of pool play. Throughout the season, and now they're they're just becoming more and more common as players are looking at. They're like, listen, I had food poisoning in Mexico. I've lost 15 pounds. I got to sit this one out, rest up, and get ready for playoffs. And when there's no incentive for them to play, they're just making that. They're just doing a a cost benefit analysis. So whether you agree with the players or or not, that's just the explanation of what is happening. And so that second round of pool play, it's sort of, it it's very interesting. At the very least. Now, on the flip side, the second round of pool play of the losers of challenge of modified pool play. That's very interesting because that's an elimination match. So just wanted to give you guys a heads up on what was happening there. Moving forward up next, the so there is a huge qualifier in Manhattan Beach on November 10th. That's Friday. This is for everyone's playing, except for I don't know why. The Taylors are not playing, but Try and Kame are playing, Theo Trevor are playing, Chase and Miles are playing, Miles and Andy are playing, Evan and Troy are playing. Virtually everyone who is who is very good in the United States will be playing. On the women's side, most teams are also playing. That is because is a qualifier for the Continental Championships. Now, the Continental Championships are these the points equivalent of a challenge. And with how light Norksaica is. If you qualify, you're virtually guaranteed a medal, which is 720 for bronze, 760 for silver, 800 for gold. So that is a massive, massive, massive qualifier coming up in Manhattan Beach on Friday. It'll be happening all day. I highly encourage you guys to go out and watch. It'll be very good volleyball. I will not be there. I will be in Colorado, off the grid, on an elk hunt. So I don't know. I'm not going to know who's going to win or whatever, but I highly encourage you guys to go out there. The actual championships will be played in mid-December. I believe the 14th through the 17th, because that conflicts with when I'm going to Yosemite. After the Norseka qualifier, we are going to Thailand for a challenge on the 16th through 19th. Then we are going to Brazil for an elite the 22nd through 26th. And then there is the Philippines the first week of December, and that is it for Olympic qualifying. So we have three, four major Olympic qualifying events remaining between the two challenges, Elite and Norseka Continental Championships. And then we are going to be moving on into the 2024 season. So that'll be it for this episode, the Asian swing episode of the Road to Paris. Producer number two cannot come on for the sign-off because he is, God bless his little heart, asleep. He was up every 45 minutes last night, so we're thankful he can't be here to sign off, that he's snoring instead. So that said, from producer one... From producer to, from myself. Have a great week. Shoot.